And yes, good morning to you once again. Thank you very much for staying with us this morning on gospelbestradio.com. It's Tuesday, the 7th of November, 2023. The program is On the Lord's Side, Christian Perspectives on News and Current Events. My name is Olufemi Ogbuntokun. You can follow me on Twitter at Olufemi OG. You can follow Gospel Bells Radio on Twitter at Gospel Bells Radio. We want to begin this morning by engaging with the story of a doctor from Nigeria who escaped who escaped from from kidnappers and i know that many people in nigeria would say well uh, kidnapping is not a new thing now which is which is an unfortunate thing to say and not that the people the people saying it are wrong in saying it but uh, it's an unfortunate reality of our society today in nigeria and in some parts of the world where uh, kidnapping is a thing it has become a thing nowadays in nigeria it has become a business rather it has become a business has it has become a commercial venture and it's a shame it's a shame on on our government and on all of us that that is where our society is uh, that nowadays you have to deal with issues like this and after engaging with this story we're going to go to a similar story just to buttress the point that we have a crisis on our hand but first let's look at this story how did this doctor escape from kidnappers in nigeria you know uh, that uh, that the modus operandi and what happens more often than not is for these kidnappers to demand a ransom for the ransom to be paid and then for the person to be released there have been unfortunate instances where ransom was paid and uh, the abductee was killed notwithstanding and that's so sad whenever i read stories like that it it, it breaks my heart as as it should break uh, the heart of anyone uh, with a christian conscience out there and it has been said unverified uh, unverified fact here it has been said that even sometimes government entities pay ransom to these kidnappers that was a time uh, that a relative of uh, mrs okonjo was kidnapped and then subsequently released there were there were reports in newspaper even on on the, even in the mainstream media are uh, suggesting that the government paid ransom to those kidnappers just to save face and to get that person released and it's so sad and again just before we go into this story i'm going to digress a bit talking about the payment of ransom and talking about how it, it, it is just a big shame that that is where we are as a society i want us to engage with very quickly with this story again relating to uh, kidnapping and payment of ransom i came across this story just as i was about to sleep yesterday i saw it on a blog that is called yorubanes it's a blog devoted to uh, the history of yoruba and all the culture cultural things associated with with yoruba people as you know there are different blogs out there uh, there are those dedicated to other uh, ethnic ethnic uh affiliations as well but this says it says let's bring feromi home let's bring feromi home and i see there uh, the picture of a young man uh, quite i mean looking uh, looking youthful because he is actually a youth and i and and you take a closer look this this is what uh, this blogger wrote he wrote saying a graduate of the federal university of technology at Korea was kidnapped on thursday 2nd november 2023 on his way to abuja to serve his country uh, that would mean to uh, to register for the uh, national youth service which is compulsory for every nigerian 
uh, after graduation from uh, from a higher institution. So according to this report, uh, this this young man uh, who, whose first name is Feromi was kidnapped. A graduate of the Federal University of Technology at Korea was kidnapped on Thursday on his way to Abuja to serve his country. His last known location was Kaba Road, Kogi State, where he was taken. We seek public aid in helping bring Feromi home. His, abdu- his abductors have requested for a sum of 20 million naira. We simply can't raise the money on our own, and so we seek your indulgence. Help us bring this young 25-year-old who is passionate about changing the Nigerian narrative through story documentation. No amount is too little. Let's bring our boy home. Hmm. And is it not telling that what is being promoted is for citizens and people of goodwill to contribute so that the kidnappers can be paid. What do you make out of that? What do you make out of that? I mean, the, the natural conclusion to draw, the logical conclusion to draw is that citizens have no faith, right? Citizens have no faith in the government. Citizens really have no faith in the ability of the police to discover where this this boy is kept, to discover uh, who the kidnappers are, or to engage in some uh, in some stealth and strategies associated with uh, with uh, the work of police to, to bring him back home. Nobody has such confidence in the government in Nigeria. Nobody has such, conf- such, such, such confidence in the police. And it's quite unfortunate, quite, quite unfortunate. Remember that story that we engaged with over and over again last year, uh, just before... Uh, just before the end of the administration of President Mamoru Bari, that story of those who were captured on the Abuja Cardinal uh, Railway, who were captured and were held in captivity for more than 60 days, more than 60 days, and it was top burner. And that people were calling, how can it be uh, that the government uh, does not know where these people are? And then news filtered out that those who regained uh, their freedom from those kidnappers paid ransom. Family members had to organize uh, for for ransom to be paid. The ransom was taken into into forests. I mean, the accounts of those who, who, who regained their freedom. Remember also that I think uh, the clergyman, who is now, I believe, the former prelate of the Methodist Church of Nigeria, was kidnapped and ransom was paid by the Methodist Church. And uh, upon regaining freedom, he said, look, we are in crisis because they are to pay ransom. Long and short is that a young Nigerian has been, ca- has been kidnapped. A fresh graduate who was traveling to sign up for the National Youth Service, he has been kidnapped. And what are friends and relatives doing? They have opened accounts asking citizens and people of good conscience to... Uh, to donate. There's a Naira account at Polaris Bank. There's a USD account at Access Bank. There is a Pound Sterling account at I can't see the bank name here. But but, but it, I mean it's it's just befuddling that that is where we are right now. And of course you can imagine what the reaction has been. Some people saying, wow, this is horrible. So I mean we know that I mean that's a time, right? That's a time that some lawmakers in Nigeria mooted the idea of outlawing the payment of ransom. And many people were, uh, were, were gobsmacked by such reactions, saying that, well, uh, we have a security crisis on our hands, and the reaction from the lawmakers is to outlaw the payment of ransom. I mean, in, in the proponents of that law's thinking, they must have been thinking, well, if nobody uh, would pay ransom, then kidnapping would not be a thing. But how, how, how short-sighted, how short-sighted. When 
when the loved one of a person is kidnapped, the person would move heaven and earth if uh, it were within that person's power to get the person released. And so that's where we are. And I, and I say this, and I say this is not where, this is not the real story we want to engage with this morning, but it's a relevant one. It's tangential and it's an important one. Let us keep this young man in prayer. I do not know whether you think uh, you should contribute to such a fund, whether that is what should be done at, at this point. Uh, it's a dilemma. It's a dilemma, a moral dilemma. You know, it's a moral dilemma of sorts because uh, the so-called innocent citizens, all of us, innocent in this context and we are contributing money to give to criminals because well uh, they are holding all of us ransom they're holding all, all of us ransom they're holding our collective conscience uh, ransom and that is where we are there's no uh, there's no way to suppose that those who are in power i did and i do not mean directly like the president or the governor but i mean those in positions of authority like policemen and other people are in the intelligence services there is no way to suppose that they are not complicit in all of this uh, as as a former head of state abacha is said to have said it's not verified he said to have said that if a crisis continues for more than 48 hours and it's unchecked you can be sure that there is the complicity of government in it. Why? Because, you see, the government is imbued with such powers, such extensive powers. If you know the extent of the powers of, of the police and the, and the amount of information and intelligence available to government and to military uh, entities and especially to intelligence services and to the police, uh, you will be surprised that some things go undetected, that some crimes go, that, that many crimes go unsolved, that people who operate in broad daylight, they go unarrested. And they operate in broad daylight. And when I say brother, I don't mean brother light in the literal sense, but in the sense that they are just operating where they can be found. There are citizens who are taking cash to kidnappers. So meaning that these kidnappers are not angels. They are not spirits. They are human beings. People know their location. They give their location to people, and amazingly, and they cannot be traced. In fact, the prelate of the Methodist Church did say at the time when he regained his freedom that the place where they were kidnapped there was at that time stationed there a unit uh, of soldiers there, uh, and he suspected. And he did say that that he suspected very strongly uh, that those soldiers were complicit in what was going on. We do pray for Feromi. If you are led to contribute to that account, please do contribute. I mean, it's a moral dilemma. I do not know what to say or how to advise on this. But let's go back to this uh, story that informed this digression. Uh, the story of the University of Nigeria teaching hospital doctor who escaped from his kidnappers. Do you know why he escaped or how he escaped? He escaped because the kidnappers fell into deep sleep after smoking weed. They fell into deep sleep after smoking weed. I do not know whether you are grinning at that. Okay, I want to take this report. It says, an abducted resident doctor attached to the University of Nigeria Teaching Hospital, Ituku Ozala, that's the name of the, of the doctor in Enugu State, or rather, no, uh, the name of the doctor is, let me not call it, so I don't mother that name, but it's not, I do not know where the name is from. Anyway, long and short, he has escaped from kidnappers' den. It was gathered that Orok, that's his surname, who is attached to the anesthesia department of the University of Nigeria Teaching Hospital, was kidnapped on Saturday night, November 4, 2023, within the hospital premises while on call duty. Think about that. Think about that and reflect on 
where we are as a society that within the premises of the hospital, I can imagine that the hospital will be like a campus of sorts, so I may be a big hospital. So why within the hospital premises he was kidnapped while on call duty? I do want to take a moment uh, to reflect on the on the abject morality of those kidnappers. A doctor on call of duty. Uh, do you know the ripple effect that his kidnapping would have had? Not only uh, the emotional turmoil for uh, for for members of his family and his friends, but you know, uh, patients who were depending on him. There must have been a patient that was depending on him, that was ex- expecting him to show up and 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 make some intervention. I remember when we had to care for a loved one in the hospital, there were times when you would just be uh, like waiting, uh, waiting on the doctor to show up because uh, there was something in need of uh, the doctor's intervention. So uh, there must have been patients like that who were denied that opportunity because this man was kidnapped. Again, it's a digression, but it's a relevant one. And according to this one, this report now says the chairman of the Nigeria Medical Association in Enugu State confirmed the development to the news agency of Nigeria. And then he said that Mr. Dr. Orok miraculously escaped. And I love the use of this word in this report that the doctor miraculously escaped after the kidnappers felt satisfied with his wife's offer to pay the ransom that he demanded and went to have a nice time with their weeds and spirits and fell into a deep sleep. So what happened there was that when they, they, they kidnapped the doctor and they called the wife, the doctor's wife, and according to this report, the doctor's wife gave them assurances that the ransom would be paid. I do not know how much was demanded, but according to this report, she gave them assurances that, don't worry, I want my husband back. I want him alive. Please, um, we are going to pay the ransom. I do pray that you never find yourself in such a situation. I pray I will never find myself in such a It can be a very horrible, horrible, horrible situation to be in. But in this case, according to this report, the wife said, don't worry, we are going to pay the ransom. So, the kidnappers haven't been assured by the wife of the abducted person and of course expecting the money went to have a nice time with their wits and spirit and of course when you hear wits and spirit that's um that, that's smoking uh, they smoked some uh, some substances substances that would ordinarily make people become high and so they fell into a deep sleep they fell into a deep sleep and this doctor dr orok must have looked around and said what is that door not ajar? Is that is that gate not open? And all the can they all truly be asleep? I remember that story we engaged with yesterday. The story of a man who was asking people on Twitter whether they whether they have ever overheard anything horrible while they pretended to be asleep. I, I can I'm trying to imagine what was going on in the mind of that doctor. He must have been saying to himself, "Oh, perhaps they're just oh they could just be pretending." Let me not uh, let me not. Uh, Uh, perhaps you say, oh, perhaps, I mean, let me not take chances. I do hope, I do hope that, <laughs> I do hope that they are truly asleep. Uh, but, uh, but at some point, he decided to take his chance and he he made for his escape and he escaped. Now I'm reading here on WhatsApp and thank you there, uh, sis, for joining us. And yeah, writing there on WhatsApp saying, a colleague was also kidnapped same day as Feromi, also on his way to imagine, also on his way to Abuja, 10 million naira ransom is being demanded. Can you imagine that? So this is confirming the story that we referenced just before engaging with the story of this doctor from University of Nigeria. This is a member of our community confirming that a colleague was also kidnapped same day as the Feromi 
young man that we that we referred to earlier on. He was also on his way to Abuja, and now ten million naira ransom is being demanded. And you know the reality is that well, the loved ones, the friends, and indeed all persons of good conscience must find a way to raise that ransom and pay the ransom in the case of this colleague of of our community member and also in the case of Ferrami. But that's a better way, right? That's a better way. That's a better way. And that is that is to pray, to pray for them, to pray most fervently for them. We should not be people who scoff at the idea of prayer. And if anybody is still scoffing at the idea of prayer in matters like this, let the person engage with the story of this doctor from the University of Nigeria whose abductors were led, I believe, by the Spirit of God, wherever the Spirit of God, to become so complacent that they all smoked at the same time. I mean, if you watch uh, criminal movies, often you will find that uh, in cases like that, uh, the criminals would divide themselves into into some sort of shift and say, no, you guys go and have a nice time while we keep watch. After your own, then we go. But in this case, all of them were led, I believe, by the divine hand of God to to have a nice time at the same time and they smoked th- those substances and fell into a deep sleep and i as i said earlier on it is gratifying to note that the writers of this report use the word miraculously that the dr orok miraculously escaped from his abductors and that led me to think of uh, the wonderful ways uh, that god in the holy scriptures has Worked out the deliverance of his people. Remember the siege of Samaria. Remember that siege of Samaria. The siege of Samaria was under siege. If you look at Second Kings seven, but the Arameans resulting in severe famine, and then four lepers, desperate and starving, decided to surrender themselves to the Arameans. However, when they approached the enemy camp, they found it deserted. The Lord had caused those invading soldiers to hear a great army approaching, leading them to flee in panic, and they left behind their tent their horses and their food supplies and it was in fact the food supplies that they left that they left behind that uh, the people of samaria Im- immediately uh took and 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 fed on so uh, you so four lepers four lepers desperate and starving we're going to the camp of them to look even if we die we die but you know what god made the soldiers hear the sound of a great army approaching is that not similar to what we have just we have just engaged with here? The story of how kidnappers. Uh, I mean, they, they, they were not they were not stupid people, but something must have led them to all take those substances and then to fall into into a deep sleep, into a deep sleep. And of course, remember the this, the victory of Gideon over the over the Midian. God instructed Gideon to reduce the size of his army from thousands to just three hundred men, and with that a seemingly inadequate force, uh, Gideon led a surprise attack on the Midianite camp, and God caused confusion among the Midianites, leading them to turn on each other in party. That's what happened. They turned on each other, and it resulted in a great victory for the for the Israelites. I mean, think of the fall of Jericho as well. Uh, the uh, the seemingly seemingly uncon- foolish means that God used used to to bring down uh, the wall of Jericho. Think also of the defeat of the Ammonites and the Moabites in Second Chronicles uh, 20. You find that God is able and that's something that people in the Lord's must never, 
must never deny. I do not have anything against contributing to this fund. Indeed, if you can, do contribute to those funds because we want the uh, the young people who have been kidnapped to be returned to us alive. But do not prioritize that. Do not say, oh, that is the right thing. To, that is the only thing to do. The main thing to do, the major thing to do is to pray. Is to pray and we all should pray uh, for the safe return of this of these uh, of these young men of these young people, and uh, that the Lord will return them safely. That the Lord will cause confusion in the camp of the enemy. The Lord does that over and over again. Uh, we have read of it in the Bible. I believe that the story of this University of Nigeria doctor is also a modern day miracle wrought by God. And people on the Lord's side should never ever scoff at the idea of miracles. Okay, and next, we want to engage with this story that should really uh, sober us and we should engage with with all sense of responsibility and and sadness, really. It is a story, I don't know where I came across this story. The story of uh, a pastor in Alabama in the United States uh, who also served as a mayor of one of the towns in Alabama. I cannot name the town right now. But according to this report, which I'm monitoring on OffingtonPost.com, it was also reported on many Nigerian blogs. I also noticed that it was reported in the, in the Vanguard newspaper in Nigeria as well. It says, Alabama mayor and pastor died by suicide after his social media accounts are exposed. Alabama mayor and pastor died by suicide after his social media accounts, social media accounts are exposed. Now, let me take some extra from the story. It says, an Alabama pastor and mayor died by suicide Friday after a conservative blog wrote a story about him wearing women's clothes as a hobby. A story about him wearing women's clothes as a hobby. That, 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 that's what happened, uh, that it was found that uh, this man, who was a pastor and also served as the mayor of a town in that state, uh, was actually in the closet, a, a cross-dresser in closet. You don't want to say people are in closet, meaning that they have uh, habits that people don't know about. Uh, they have things they do that nobody knows about, but they do it in secret. But I do not know how, how secretive it was that, uh, well, it came out on, his, on some of his social media platforms. So I would suppose that he created a false identity on social media uh, where he would wear women's clothing and then be a... Uh, be a cross-dresser at the least, be a cross-dresser at the least, or a transitioning transgender. Uh, that's what uh, somebody called him. In fact, according to this report, uh, they say that in the social media account he created, he referred to himself as a transitioning transgender curvy girl. Uh, you look at his picture, it's, a, it's quite a fat man, uh, but he referred to himself in uh, the the social media accounts, those secret social media accounts as a transitioning transgender COVID girl. According to the conservative news blog called 1819, it, that blog published the social media accounts of, uh, this man is called Booba Copeland, who was the mayor of Smith Station in Alabama and the pastor at First Baptist Church in Phoenix City, where Copeland goes by Britney Blair Summerlin and refers to himself as a transitioning tra transgender coffee girl. According to this report, this man, who is now late, unfortunately so, 
posted on Reddit as his alter ego and had a private Instagram page, according to the news blog. So this is what we have here. And I know that there are some people like that as well. You know, they are known by their name to their friends and family members, and they want to continue to be so known as Mr. This to their friends and their family and the world at large. But then they operate alternative alternative social media accounts where uh, they really write the things they want to write. They say the things that they really want to say from their heart. They behave as the person they really want to be. So you're talking here basically about hypocrisy. And this is not being judgmental. In fact, this is a story that one should really, really, really be sad about because the reaction of this pastor has been to kill himself, meaning that he knew he was doing something wrong, right? Meaning that he knew he had done something wrong. He must have known that he was doing, that he was doing something wrong, but he was compelled by dark forces, which as believers we must recognize as evil forces and the force of the devil. It was compelled by those forces, forces that we are called to resist by the power of the Holy Spirit. It was compelled by those forces to persist in that behavior, to be hypocritical, uh, to have dual personalities and not to be able to fight the demons, the demons that were oppressing him. So he killed himself, meaning that he knew it was wrong. Compare this reaction with many people who, upon being outed like that, would have said, look, this is who I am, and now I'm ready to tell the world, this is what I want to be, this is who I am. This is somebody who started as a pastor and who must have had some sense of guilt about the shame and ridicule that he has brought to the name of Christ and to the body of Christ, who must have been, uh, who, who must have been really, really horrified and humbled and shamed at the revelation of his sins that he was committing in secret, that he took his own life. He shouldn't have done that. We know, but we are, you are not in his shoes. I'm not in his shoes. It is easy to say that he should have done that. Yes, but no, it is easy to say we know that he shouldn't have done that. Uh, on Sunday, at the Readers Club meeting, we were considering a discussion question on whether the Lord would take back anybody, whether in weakness, whether Christians who find themselves weak, who find themselves feeble, who find themselves uh, insane, whether they, they they should be ashamed to go back to the Savior. They should not be ashamed. We should not be ashamed to go back to the Savior even when we sin. We know the power of shame. In fact, for many people, it's not even that God will not accept them that will lead them to suicide. It is, it is that people, family members, and Christians, and fellow Christians would not would not accept them, that fellow Christians would would, uh, would ridicule them. It is uh, those things that lead people to suicide. Nobody commits suicide because he, he reaches the conclusion that he would not be accepted by God. And that's a lesson for us. No excusing what he has done, no, no excusing what he was doing. But you see, when people are found out in sin, when I mean it's there right there in the scriptures, when you when a brother stumbles, when a brother is found in sin, you that are standing with that are upright, call such a one and restore such a one. Many people have said this, and, and it's so true, sadly true, that it is only in the Christian army, in the body of Christ, that you find soldiers, soldiers living leaving the injured on the field. In other armies, you find that they say, leave no one behind. If somebody has fallen, those who are standing would go back and pick such a one and carry such a one to safety. But more often than not, in the body of Christ, we find that uh, when a person has fallen, people look at him. Some people even spit on him. Uh, some people even shoot at him. 
and such a person dies. I'm not saying that is what happened here, so I'm not condemning the people of that church or the Christians in that uh, in that vicinity. But who knows? Uh, that is uh, a likely reaction uh, from many people. According to this report, the church posted on Facebook on Saturday thanking people for their prayers. This is the post on that church's uh, Facebook page. Quote, thank you all for your prayers and expressions of sympathy and support. First and foremost, we ask that you keep Pastor Boba Copeland's family in your prayers today and in the days ahead. We greatly appreciate your messages, comments, and encouragement. Please continue to pray for us as we move forward in sharing God's love to all people. And this is really a humbling thing. I do. I mean, I cannot imagine a congregation having to face up with something like this, having to confront something like this. It will take the grace, uh, the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit to help anyone, indeed any fellowship, to pass through such episode. As this, I mean, there are so many things to engage with here from Christian perspective. You want to, uh, you want to admonish yourself, right? Uh, that that living double lives is a wrong thing. It's a, it's not only wrong; it's offensive to God, and especially for those who are His, for those who call His name, uh, for those who name the name of Christ. You cannot afford to live a double life. Uh, we said it on one previous episode of On the Lord's Side. What often happens is that. You see, when God knows that one of his children has been living a hypocritical life, he sends his Holy Spirit to warn such a one over and over again because God detests hypocrisy. He detests it. And for those who don't listen, what he does is he exposes them. He exposes them not just to ridicule them, not just for, for, to bring them to shame. He exposes sin in the lives of his children to to call them to repentance. It's like willing the stake. It's like a parent who has been saying, who have been admonishing by word and say stop, stop, stop. And then at some point, uh, the parent lashes out and slaps the child or brings out the cane and, and punishes the child. That's exactly what happens. And it is for our good. It's for our good. The Lord does not allow his children to, t- to shed a needless tear. It is for those... I mean, it is for those who are being warned and admonished by the Spirit to listen early, to listen early and to say, Lord, I'm going to stop. Help me. Help me to stop and to really do stop. Many people have said that there are some matters that are just so... Because because we are fallen human beings. We are fallen human beings and our flesh is so overpowering in its influence over us. Remember what the apostle himself wrote, uh, saying that the things I would not do, those are the things I do, the things I want to do, the flesh will not allow me to do it. And if anyone finds himself in a position like this, something this horrible, something this uh, this compelling, this uh, compulsive as well, that person should find uh, solace in prayer, should take it to God in prayer, and should also confess that sin to another trusted person and say, this is what I'm dealing with, please help me. And you know what? Once that is done, you find that uh, there's some accountability measure in that respect. There's some accountability measure in that respect. I mean, let me digress a little bit again. I came across a story. You remember that we spoke about uh, the newly elected speaker of the United States House of Representatives, Ms. Uh, speaker Mike Johnson. And there are many Christians in the United States who are praying for him, really rooting that he would succeed because he is one person who stands by the clear uh, biblical teachings of the Bible. And uh, recently he revealed, because of course he's newly elected, so he's granting so many interviews, that he and his son, uh, they maintain a sort of accountability measure to ensure that uh, none of them watches 
pornographic materials on his or phone on, on on his phone. So the the man and his son uh, they enter into some sort of uh, they they devise a sort of accountability mechanism, meaning that uh, the son would have full access to the father's phone and the father would have full access to the son's phone, just to ensure that none of them engages in 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 watching uh pornographic uh materials online because it's so easy and that is because uh, your phone is yours your devices are yours you could be doing uh, something that nobody would know about i say i digress a bit just to just to bother the point that when uh compulsive behaviors like this take hold when sinful and compulsive behaviors like this take hold on god's people uh, they should find solace in prayer and should also and should also uh find a trusted believer uh, who would make them accountable i haven't said that uh we must repeat the point we made earlier on uh, that when a brother or a sister has been found in sin let us change that narrative uh, that it is christians who shoot uh, their angels soldiers let us shoot uh, that let us let us change that narrative that says that it is Christians who uh, who who throw stones at soldiers who are fallen. That should not be the case. We should be people who, uh, when a brother has been caught in sin, we draw that person and admonish that person and bring that person back to repentance and uphold that person in prayer. And I pray it will never be your it will never be the case with you. But if ever you experience something like this, oh, that you will not forget. But I do not forget that as a loving father who does not want you to complicate your situation by committing suicide, never forget that. That is always, always willing, always ready to welcome to welcome his wandering, wandering children. Uh, somebody give the example of the of the prodigal son at our meeting on Sunday, the Leaders Club meeting. And I also love our dear sister who also referred us to Isaiah 42, a beautiful scripture. It will not crush the weakest reed. It will not put out a flickering candle. Come to him as you are, and it will never, it will never turn his back on you. Okay, and finally today, and this episode of On the Lord's Side, let's engage with this story coming out of of Israel. And you know what has been going on in Israel, the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, you remember that on October 7, uh, members, terrorists affiliated with Hamas, attacked Israel, went to settlements occupied by Jews, and killed people, uh, killed children as well, and committed such horrors that it is said that the casualty of Jews killed on that day would rank second uh, to the highest casualty of Jews killed in any one day since uh, since a war in 1967. Such a horrible day, October 7. And of course, the reaction from Israel was predictable. Uh, the government in Israel, led by Benjamin Netanyahu, has vowed to go all out and fish out those who were involved in that massacre on October 7. Many people have been, call- have been calling, many people have been calling all over the world to say, look, Israel should maybe stop the incursion uh, because in a bid to punish Hamas and in a bid to to kill or arrest the commanders of Hamas who were involved in the October 7 massacre had many innocent people uh, losing their lives. And I'm reading this report that says that the toll of death of dead people has surpassed 10,000 in just four weeks. Think about that. 
that in just four weeks, uh, since October 7, that uh, the dead from the israel Hamas war, the number of dead has surpassed 10,000. And what do you make of that? That you see, those who carried out that massacre on October 7, they never... Uh, they never contemplated what would happen. They did not think in consequential terms or or the day, the day, and they did not mind or they must have thought to themselves, so oh, maybe the retaliation would not be would not be that uh, would not be that hard and that stiff and that resolute. Of course, there's a moral dilemma out there for people who support uh, the state of Israel uh, who, who continue to think, well, uh, what should be the right response? To aggression, when there's aggression, should we also uh, respond in like terms? And would it be justified, biblically speaking, to exact such vengeance from your enemies? But alas, we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world. Who wants to live in a world where it says, okay, uh, when uh, terrorists attack you, don't attack them back? That's the only way to put them in check. What uh, is, are there better options for the state of Israel to take? I do not know. I do not know what better options are there. But this much we know that those who start wars, those who engage in aggression, must always understand that there will be a reaction. There will be a reaction. And, and that is where many of us fail when we do not think in consequential terms, in terms of aggression. But the point I really want to address this morning is the one relating to the misinformation out there where you find even confessing Christians and people who ordinarily should support Israel are becoming unable to support Israel and, and taking the view uh, that Israel is the main aggressor here because uh, uh, the Israeli people are occupying Palestinian lands. And we should be very clear about this, uh, whether that is the truth. We have to be very clear whether that is the truth. Is it tr- the truth uh, that the Palestinian people that the Israeli people are occupying Palestinian land, that there should be a Palestinian state in Gaza or in many parts of, of Israel. And be very clear about this. The Hamas um, and their sympathizers are not saying that they want a Palestinian state in Gaza only. They want a Palestinian state in most of the of the portion of land now occupied by Israel. They do not even want to recognize uh, the existence of Israel. And, and that would be true for Hamas, true for Hezbollah, true for uh, Iran, true for Iraq and many of the hostile, uh, true for Syria, many of the hostile uh, Arab neighbors for Israel. They do not want Israel to be in existence. Some people have said, no, it was the Israelis who dispossessed the Palestinians of their land uh, before uh, before uh, they now became the real occupier. I came across this short uh, history lesson and it's a very important one for everybody to bear in mind before there was israel in the 1940s when the united nations passed that resolution to recognize uh, the state of israel and the jews who had been dispersed to different parts of europe came back together before that time there was a british mandate that was not a palestinian state there was never a palestinian state in the history and I'm going to go through the history back to biblical days. Before Israel as a nation that we know today, there was a British mandate, not a Palestinian state. Before the British mandate, there was the Ottoman Empire, not a Palestinian state. Before the Ottoman Empire, there was the Islamic state of the Mamluks of Egypt, not a Palestinian state. Before the Islamic state of the Mamluks of Egypt, there was the Kurdish Empire, not a Palestinian state. Before the Ayubid Empire, there was the Frankish and Christian Kingdom of Jerusalem, not a Palestinian state. Before the Kingdom of Jerusalem, there was the Umayyad and Fatimid Empires, 
not a Palestinian state. Before the Fatimid empires, there was the Byzantine Empire, not a Palestinian state. Before the Byzantine Empire, there were the Sassanids, not a Palestinian state. Before the Sassanid Empire, there was the Byzantine Empire, not a Palestinian state. Before the Byzantine Empire, there was the Roman Empire, not a Palestinian state. Before the Roman Empire, there was the Asmonian state, not a Palestinian state. Before the Asmonian state, there was the Seleucid, not a Palestinian state. Before the Seleucid Empire, there was the Empire of Alexander the Great, not the Palestinian state. Before the Empire of Alexander the Great, there was the Persian Empire, not a Palestinian state. Before the Persian Empire, there was the Babylonian Empire, not a Palestinian state. Before the Babylonian Empire, there were the kingdoms of Israel and Judah that you know so well from the Bible, not a Palestinian state. Before the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, there was the kingdom of Israel, the single kingdom, not a Palestinian state. Before the kingdom of Israel, what was there? There was the theocracy of the 12 tribes of Israel, not the Palestinian state. Remember, there are just those 12 tribes that the Lord gave that land to uh, before uh, they, they demanded for a king and became a kingdom. And before the theocracy of the 12 tribes of Israel, what was there? There was no Palestinian state. There was an aggregation of independent Canaanite city kingdoms, not a Palestinian state. And that is true history. There has never been a Palestinian state in the land occupied by Israel today, in Gaza, or any of the land occupied by Israel. What we had before the land was given, we believe, by divine ordination to his people, what we had was what? Was the, ag- the aggregation of independent Canaanite city, ki- city kingdoms. If you read your Bible, you hear about Og, king of Bashan, and, and the other kings who were defeated. So there was never a Palestinian state. There, were th- there, there was the aggregation of the different Canaanite city kingdoms. So it is important for us to get our history right. And if you believe in the Bible, you must believe in the Bible if you believe that the earth is the Lord, I know that is the Lord's, I know that therein is, you must believe in his authority, authority to do with the world as he would. If you deny that, if you allow the uh, secular culture or what is acceptable in the society to lead you to say, well, maybe God should not have done that. Was it right for God to send some people away and give the land to other people? Well, then you are denying Psalm 100 verse 3 for his God. Is he God? He made us, we did not make ourselves, and the artist is, and all that therein is. Not, having said that, we, we must join the call uh, for the government in Israel uh, to be moderate in its response to, as much as possible, avoid civilian casualties and do its utmost to target only those uh, Amas uh, military commanders. We should also pray for peace uh, in, in Israel for the people in Gaza, for the people in Ukraine, for the people in Somalia, uh, in, in the Congo as well, and so many parts of the world where there's crisis now. And of course, to realize that there will be no perfect peace in this fallen world until our Lord comes back and takes the kingdom for himself. Thank you very much for sending us this morning on Gospel Best Radio for On the Lord's Side, Christian Perspectives. Whatever you do today, please remain family on the Lord's side. I'll be with you again tomorrow by God's grace. God bless you very good. You are listening to GospelBellsRadio.com, the Christian internet radio with a mission to engage the culture with the mind of Christ. Keep listening and invite others, too. God bless you.
Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ. 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 Engaging the culture with the mind of Christ.